Welcome to School of PE Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Miller, and I'm so glad that you could join me this week. We are going to discuss topics about FE, PE, and SE, and we're also going to answer questions that will help students prepare for their exams. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the School of PE, SOPE Weekly Podcast. I'm Chris Miller. We have a special guest here today, uh, Mr. Justin Goolsby. And today, before we introduce him, we're going to have an interesting topic. We're going to talk about the importance of teachers and advisors helping students recognize their skills and strengths. So let's please welcome Justin. Justin, welcome aboard. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So before we can dive into the meat and potatoes, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Justin Goolsby. I, uh, I'm married. I have two kids and uh, my wife is recently staying home. So it's been uh, been fun. Uh, working from home, seeing the family every day. So just enjoying life right now. That sounds good, Justin. I think we're going to have a good time today. And we have an interesting topic, not only applies, you know, specifically to engineering, but I think anyone can relate to this topic, whether it's a high school or college, or maybe someone that's, you know, been outside of school for a while and can maybe translate teachers and advisors to maybe colleagues or mentors. So, um, you know, I think um, education over the last couple of years have kind of taking a turn. I mean, a lot has changed, right? COVID kind of knocked the world on its socks or off of its feet. And um, especially in education where the traditional school model has been just kind of smacked around a little bit, um, you know, both from the student side, teacher side, um, you know, what used to be a fairly stable model or a familiar model um, has now gone a lot of it online, a hybrid. Um, so, you know, I've seen over the last couple of years, students kind of trying to gain their traction as well as uh, on teachers. Hats off to everybody that's uh, yeah. been part of this. It's been a challenge, but, you know, through this, I think it's going to become even a stronger model than what it was before. So, you know, when I was growing up, you know, you thought of teachers as not just somebody that, you know, taught you the lesson plan for the day, but someone that you could kind of look to as a role model, um, a familiar face that you saw every day and somewhat of a, a guiding light. So let me ask you this question, Justin. In what ways can teachers and advisors influence students? Yeah, you know, um, I think whenever I was younger, you know, as a student, especially uh, in high school or freshman year in college, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have at the time. And I didn't really um, learn about the value of that until probably sophomore or junior year in college. But, uh, you know, they really have a an impact and even with small things even if even if it's coming down to just humbling you because i know for me personally coming out of high school um in a kind of a rural town of you know being top 10 students you kind of think that you're smarter than everybody else until you go to a university <laughs> and everybody is just as smart or smarter than you so, <laughs> so just getting in touch with a good advisor or a teacher and um you know, letting them kind of, you know, explain to you how the system works. And even though you're taking 15 hours, it, it takes more than 15 hours to do those 15 hours of, of load. So, um, you know, just and then just helping you carve a path. You know, what are your interests? I know originally for me personally, I did not um, want to go the particular route I went. But uh, after talking to several advisors and kind of learning what my different interests are kind of help uh, create a path for me. So, 
Well, thank you for sharing that. So, you know, and it's funny, I agree with you. You know, sometimes it's, it's not that a teacher, you know, is making you better at mathematics or biology, but sometimes you just need to be humbled. Yeah. And, you know, and oftentimes, you know, like I had a friend of mine that I went to high school with and he was a running back and he was, I mean, he ran circles around every single, you know, school that we played. So, you know, he got out of high school thinking, you know, I got, you know, I'm the best there is. And he went to the University of Washington, a big Pac-12 school and Boy, was he humbled quickly. You know, coaches <laughs> tell him, look, everyone on this team is almost like you, more or less, right? So, you know, humbling is good. I think sometimes what it does, it, it helps you refine your roots. And, you know, oftentimes uh, people come out much better from a, a humbling experience. Yes. Um, you know, teachers can do a lot of things, right? They can guide you. They can, you know, be there for a shoulder for you to lean on. But also, you know, you may have, and you might even remember this too, that was there a teacher, whether it's, you know, K through college that you were like, man, this teacher is just really, really hard on me. Yes. So I remember, um, let's see, I was probably a junior in college and I was taking a uh, dynamics class and a professor I had was um, very difficult in class. Um, you know, came and he always had, you know, suit on a very, you know, this is a very serious course. Um, but then, you know, well, so then he'd like to pick on students intentionally. So he would call you out. He, he had the, the roster there and he would have a very difficult problem on the board that he knew that nobody knew how to work out. And so you're just sitting there just praying that he does not call on you. <laughs> and sure enough, you'd call on you and, uh, you know, it'd be embarrassing. But as much as I tried to avoid that professor, one day I uh, kind of ran into him in passing. Um, I when I joined the Civil Honor Society, and uh, he was at an event that we were doing, and ran into him, got a chance to introduce myself more formally, and um, we actually hit it off pretty good. And so um, after that, I kind of understood his personality more and kind of what he expected from his students, and um, it's actually pretty funny. Um, Throughout the semester, he started to kind of give me a little bit more uh, easier problems to work on the board. So it wasn't so embarrassing. Um, and at the end of the semester, I think it really paid off uh, when it comes down to, you know, grading large projects or final exams where everyone's struggling. Um, it just kind of helps knowing that you have a history and he can kind of, you know, help you on the curve if, if needed. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, oftentimes when you have a, a teacher that's hard on you. You think it's because they don't like you, you mm -hmm. know, but you know, I, I just, I'll take you all the way back to the early nineties. I'm, I'm older than you. So back in, I think it was 1980, I was freshman in high school. I was going to school in a city called Lompoc and I had a history teacher named Mr. Monsieur. We used to call him Mr. Monster because he was, he was tough. And man, he rode me every single day. I'm like, this guy's got to hate me. And then I remember it was the Friday of Christmas break. You know, and I was, you know, dating this girl. I went over her house and her mom's boyfriend. I was like, holy cow. I said, that's Mr. Monsieur, the history teacher. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a long night. But you know what? Sat there talking to him about the Lakers and all that. And I was like, man, he's a regular guy. So he asked me, because, you know, I bet you're wondering why I'm so hard on you in class. I said, yeah, I figured it's because you didn't like me. He's like, no. He's like, because I know that you can achieve better things. So by pushing you and being on you, then, you know, I think, see, teachers are trying to, to maybe pull that inner strength out of you and, and guide you. But we often mistake it as, you know, oh, my goodness, this teacher has it in for me. You know, it, it, he's, he's a meanie. But yeah. 
oftentimes I think they're just trying to get you to that next level. So um, right. the story is pretty cool. Um, you know, as you're working your way through college and uh, you're going from teacher to teacher, class to class, any special tools or tactics that you saw professors do stand out? Well, um, so I had I had some professors that are definitely more personable than others. Um, I know for sure I had one that uh, made it pretty clear that he did not like freshmen or undergraduates. <laughs> uh, he, he felt like they would all fail out and it was you know, a waste of their time. But most of them, um, I found that were very inviting to their office. Um, they'd stick around after class. And, you know, if you wanted to, to chat with them for a while and just kind of get to know them personally, they're more than welcoming. Um, I had several that were like that where, uh, you know, they would stick around for five or 10 minutes after class and just really make an effort to get to know the students. And so, but I think as I went on um, in college, you know, trying to make that effort to go to their office hours, um, even if I didn't necessarily need help with anything or had a, a serious question, just stopping by, letting them know that, hey, you're thinking about their their subject and um, just kind of chit-chatting with them and um, talking to them a little bit about, you know, a little bit of everything. And I think it just helps in the long run. They remember who you are. Um, you understand what they are looking for in class. Uh, it really helps with studying. I think of the biggest part with college is just not knowing what to study. It seems like it can just be kind of a shot in the dark. Mm -hmm. And so the more you get to know your professor and how their mind works, you can kind of understand what ideas are important to them mm -hmm. and um, kind of make a pretty educated guess on what's going to be on the exam if you need to study. Now, they won't probably won't ever tell you what's going to be on the exam, but you can usually feel it out. Um, it, it will save you some time in the long run, I think, making those investments with your professors. Um, but yeah, I think I think there were, you know, most professors wanted to, to be there for their student, but it was because a two-way relationship. So, you know, they are, they are going to be there and make an effort, but you have to be making an effort as well. No, that's some great advice. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, let's say you're a freshman on a, a big school, like let's say Ohio State, and you're sitting in your, you know, stats 145, intro mm -hmm. to statistics, right? You might be in a class of like 400 people, right? And that's just one session. Right. So imagine this professor is teaching three sessions. So now he has 1,200 students. So, yeah, how do you how do you think you're going to be recognized, right, if you don't make those efforts to go by the office? And like you said, you don't need to have a question or you don't need to have to have help. Just going in there and, like you said, letting them know that, hey, you know, I am in your class. I'm trying. I think that goes a long way. You know, not like they're going to be like, hey, this is what the – here's the exam the night before. But I remember when I was taking an art history class at Ohio State and uh, – you know, I was only taking it because it was a prereq, you know, I, and uh, I used to go by the the professor's office probably twice a week just to, you know, chat or whatever. And sure enough, you're right. They, you know, maybe you're on the border or something of a an A or B or, right. or something, or maybe they'll let some loose hints loose because you put in, you know, they see that you put in the effort and they, they, they can put a name to a face, which I think is important. So Justin, I think that's some pretty good advice. Um, you know, we've talked about the positive ways that, you know, instructors and advisors can influence students. But I mean, can you think of maybe any, can instructors or uh, teachers and advisors have a negative effect on students? Yeah. So I have uh, one teacher in mind. 
I don't think I'll ever forget was a negative impact where um, I was in high school and it was a uh, engineering kind of track, I guess you could say is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it's called project lead the way, but uh, I don't know if it's even still around, but so the teacher at the time, um, we were doing some sort of project and it was me and a friend that we were working on this. And uh, he tells me for, for some reason, he says, you know, uh, I don't think you're going to cut it in engineering. Um, and if you do make it, uh, your friend is probably going to be your boss. And I was like, well, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he ended up being completely wrong. My friend didn't make it in engineering and I did, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I don't know if it was, it negatively stood out to me, but maybe it had uh, some motivation of proving them wrong. So um, I think being young, it can probably affect self-esteem a little bit, but um, I think trying not to dwell on the negative so much and just trying to focus on what your goals are. And, uh, you know, and if you can prove them wrong, it's an added bonus, but uh, I don't think that we can go through life and, you know, out of spite of somebody. So um, <laughs> I probably will never see him again. So it doesn't really matter in the long run. But um, yes, no, I think when you're in a position of um, mentorship in any sort of way, even at work, I have a, a group of guys that I'm leading and, you know, just trying to be an example. I think everything we have to do needs to be intentional, whether or not, um, you know, your upper management or just, you know, kind of a mentor over the new guy, just setting that good example on um, expectations mm -hmm. and um, a good culture. I think it just kind of goes all the way throughout life, really. No, I agree. You know, I like the fact that you you, you took a neg negative and you turned it around, right? Hey, mm -hmm. it, it could be a motivational factor. You could take it and say, oh, wait, this guy thinks I'm going to fail. Let me prove him wrong. So I liked how you try to see the positive and everything. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how over the last couple of years, we've seen education change and most, you know, COVID again, changed the world for just about everything, but, you know, maybe most noticeably education. And, um, it used to be where, you know, you go to school every day, especially in your lower grades, you see the same teacher every day, right? You have one teacher every single day. And then as you move through middle school and high school, you have maybe six or seven teachers, but yet you're still building these relationships with these teachers because you're with mm -hmm. them for, you know, half of a year, right? So how do you think, or maybe did COVID affect the relationships that students and teachers have? I think it has to. Um, really, I think it'd be very difficult to build a new relationship virtually. Not that you can't do it, but it takes a lot more effort, I think, to, to make that connection. Um, you know, personally, you can, you can see people's body language a little bit easier. You know, um, if you're walking on in somebody at a hard time, you can kind of tell by their body language that, okay, I need, I need to get out of here, you know? So, um, you know, scheduling virtual meetings, it's a little bit easier for someone to just hit the cancel button without really seeing your, <laughs> your reactions. So it definitely, I think is tougher, um, in those regards, but it's also, um, it makes something simpler because you can fit more things in, in a time period. So you're not having to walk around campus from office to office, but you can schedule different, uh, virtual events a little mm -hmm. bit quicker. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, building a strong relationship would be hard. Um, just because you're not physically there interacting and doing events that kind of build those relationships together. Um, but there are some 
some positives from that too. I think that because there is more flexibility in mm-hmm. scheduling when it's online. They're not just, you know, only in their office for an hour a day that you have to make it work that day or, you know, adjust your schedule. So there's pros and cons. Um, I, I think it probably is going to be a big learning curve for a lot of people, especially people who aren't naturally outgoing anyway, um, to kind of make those calls. I, mean, I know a lot of times, um, you know, being a part of a younger generation, I know a lot of my, uh, I guess, people of my generation typically have a harder time talking on the phone or, you know, (laughs) so um, I I can understand that people might think it's awkward with a virtual call or a phone call or, or whatever um, than it is just bumping into somebody physically. So I think it's just those barriers that people are just going to have to learn to, to knock back down kind of like how, you know, it was done before texting. (laughs) You know, I agree with you. I mean, it's funny how like, People can go like days without physically picking up the phone to talk to a friend, but yet they've probably sent a thousand text messages. Yeah. So it, it's kind of fun to see how like the like the picking up the phone is is died down. But you know, I do agree. Like you know, virtually, yeah, you can have the meetings and things like that. But you're right; it's sometimes a little harder to read the body language because cameras maybe not always on. But also, you know, <clears throat> you don't know what that person's doing during the meeting. You know, they could be working on another thing. I mean, I'm guilty of it. Like I have these team meetings and I'll be working on another screen and you might be not as focused as you would be if you were an in-person. So let me ask you this question. How would you assess skills virtually? Yeah, that's tough. Um, You know, so so my, my experience with virtual has just been through work nowadays. So I didn't go to school virtually. So um, so for me, whenever, whenever we hire a new person, I will try to, you know, through Microsoft teams, we'll share our screen mm-hmm. and if they just let them watch me work for a few days, they can just kind of shadow me, see how things are done. Um, so that's probably going to be from a working environment might be the most practical training method is just let them watch you do it. You know, it's less awkward than having somebody stand over your shoulder, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, um, so that's actually a benefit, I think, in that case, where maybe some training could be a little bit more uh, streamlined in that regard. But, um, but uh, I think, well, I think it's I got a question. Off yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you hit it on the head when you said like, you know, one way you can do is like job shadowing is a pretty big part of yeah the new person's, I'm going to say curriculum, right? You shadow the person around for the first day, but you're right. I mean, you share a screen, you can kind of uh, share a uh, job shadow that way. You're right. I think it's a little less awkward than having someone follow you around step for step. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than, I mean, it is, it's difficult to assess, um, you know, somebody's maybe prowess on something virtually because you don't, you're not in the same, you're not sharing the same physical space. So it might be a little difficult to sense the uh, true, I guess, body emotions at their Right. Yeah. And the, on the office, um, especially whenever we were all together, you could tell how long somebody has been working on something. Mm -hmm. And so that obviously is a sign that they're struggling. Um, Same with school. I think, you know, if, if you're, 
Um, okay, so like I'm in my freshman year. So you you go to recitation class mm-hmm. um, where the TA is probably talking about material that maybe the professor talked about the previous week. You're taking a quiz. Um, so with you know in that type of environment where there's maybe only a few dozen people in there, it's easy to tell if somebody's stumped or not, even if they want to admit it. Because a lot of people get embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to admit it. So if a person is you know, really watching for body language, they can kind of walk around and see, okay, how's this person doing? Or you could just ask a neighbor. Um, whereas if you don't have a good network yet, if you're a new student and you haven't built up that friend group or whoever, um, it might be hard to find somebody who could help you out if the professor's busy. So being in those physical environments, it's easy to kind of, hey, um, I'm struggling with this. Do you know what's going on here? <laughs> So no, completely yeah. understand. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult, right? I mean, the virtual is becoming the norm. But let's say you just finished eighth grade, right? Mm-hmm. You're going from you're transitioning from middle school to high school, and all of a sudden, you find out during that summer that school's remote. You're going virtual for your fr- whole freshman year. So I mean, you know, schools they have hundreds of students, right? Mm-hmm. And so how? Would it be, and also becoming a freshman now, you have maybe six or seven teachers that you have to engage with. So, I mean, what can teachers and students do to kind of overcome this barrier and still build relationships, even though they're not going to see each other every day? Because, you know, let's say, you know, you're in class after class one day, a teacher could pull you aside and say, hey, Justin, let's just, you know, have a chat. So they could always pull you aside mm-hmm. or you could ask, hey, you know, do you mind if I stay after class one day? But when you're in a Zoom of 30, 35 other students, what do you do? Yeah, that's tough, um, especially when you're in a large Zoom call. Um, mm-hmm. I noticed it personally because, you know, traditionally before a meeting or after a meeting, you can pull somebody away and have a, a private conversation. Mm-hmm. Where in a large Zoom, you're not going to have those private sidebars. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be, yeah, I think at the end of the day, they both have their pros and cons. I think being there physically is always going to be an advantage um just because some things you can't replace you know but uh, i mean i think you come close but some things you just can't replace but um yeah you know measuring skills you know on a piece of paper you can see how somebody worked out a problem right you can say okay they messed up here i can address this virtually um you know i'm sure that they have you know methods that are similar but it's probably harder for somebody to write down step by step on electronic board Mm-hmm. It may not come out as cleanly, um, you know, building those relationships on a large Zoom call with 30 people, you know, chat is only good for <laughs> for so long. <laughs> you know, it's hard to read um, context in a few words. I think we all ha- are guilty of misreading a, a text message, oh, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, I think those those types of elements are going to be really hard to duplicate virtually. And I think that if anybody is in a situation where they can do something physically, I I would say to take that route just because it's probably going to be better long-term. But if you're kind of stuck with that virtual because of different restrictions and things, um, I think you just got to realize that this is not going to be the same, um, you know, same level necessarily mm-hmm. as an in-person uh, student-teacher relationship. So you kind of have to figure out creative methods to kind of bridge that gap and 
um, maybe work with your teacher to see what their schedule is like and how you can have almost like uh, maybe a small group of your students, maybe if you're all struggling with the same thing, have a small tutoring off to the side until mm-hmm. we can kind of build that relationship with those people and your teacher to just kind of coming up with those different ideas. No, and they're all great ideas you, you mentioned. And, and you brought up an interesting thing is, you know, we all text, we all send emails, WhatsApp, whatever it is. And written communication can be very effective, but sometimes you can misinterpret mm-hmm. what is being said or maybe misunderstand, but also you don't have the ability to sense emotion as much, right? Like if I'm talking to you and we're face to face, you can sense if I'm upset or maybe I'm sad, but in an email, you know, let's say I accidentally left the caps lock down and I send you an email, you're like, holy cow, this guy's yelling at me. But in actuality, I just accidentally hit the key. So, I mean, I I think, yeah, I think face-to-face is important. Um, um, You know, people are doing the best that they can now. We're learning that we are able to function and function at a high level virtually. Yeah. Um, there are jobs that I used to think that if you weren't in person or in an office, they weren't possible. But I mean, you know, just about every job has been taken remote in some aspect. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a learning curve. But um, again, I do think that, you know, face to face and in person makes building those relationships, especially at the beginning, a little bit easier. Um, yeah, I think that's the main thing is that beginning, the hurdle of the beginning, because once you have those established relationships, um, you can overcome them, I think, with yeah, moderate effort. Uh, you know, back whenever we were all working at the office physically full time, you know, I would go to our, our district office and, you know, probably once every few weeks and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, go from cube to cube to say, Hey, you know, how's it going? Just kind of building the, maintaining those relationships mm-hmm. where, you know, now we've been home for two years and <laughs> I don't even know who's there and who's not anymore. People have come and gone and it's hard to, even know who's around, you know? So um, it's very difficult to maintain relationships when you're only virtual and you just, you don't know who's coming and going. Um, no, I agree. Um, you know, it's funny. You just said something. I'm like, holy cow. Is it, it, I think you're right. It's been two years. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. I talked to some of our uh, clients or corporate clients and they're like, yeah, we haven't been in the office since like spring of, 2020. I'm like, holy cow. She's like, yeah, it feels so weird because, you know, some people have come and gone. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't seen these people except, you know, I mean, because not everyone uses a camera when they're on Teams meetings. Right, right. So, yeah, it's like, I don't even know what this person's like anymore. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how when this all ends, if, you know, people remain virtual or they do a hybrid. Um, but, you know, just as we're getting ready to wrap things up, it's, we've covered a lot of interesting things. You know, we've talked about how teachers and advisors can help guide your way maybe when you're a little bit maybe you don't have a path you don't know which path to go down or maybe you're stuck mm-hmm. so if you were to think back to your college or high school days is there any one person that stands out or maybe what they told you that has just stuck with you yeah helps, so you know, uh, keep going it kind of it kind of ropes into a little story um sure. so like i mentioned earlier in high school i did very well and so I came into um, college very, I guess, prideful in education. And I did a lot of sports in high school, too. So I figured going into freshman year, um, yeah, I'm not doing sports anymore. So I've got extra time. And so I'm going to uh, load up. I'm going to take as many classes as possible um, because I've got the time to do it. And, hey, it says it's 18 hours. So 
it must mean I'm going to do 18 hours of workload and, you know, school and high school was 40 hour week. So that's really half the time. So it should be, it should be fine. And so I took all these, you know, I signed up for all these very difficult classes, trying to knock them all out. And uh, so summer before freshman year, we were going into the new student conference and this uh, old professor, he was very nice old man and he pulls me aside he's like hey justin i you know i'm sure that you're a a bright young man but um this this course load that you have here is just it's just not physically possible i don't (laughs) it doesn't really matter how smart you are you just there's not enough time in the week to be able to do all this you have three labs and you know all these classes and it's, it's just there's just not enough time you know, I don't think this guy understands who I am. You know, it's kind of my mentality. And it's like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll drop the history, but I'm going to keep all the other classes. And so I signed up for, you know, uh, Cal 2, chemistry, physics. They all have their own labs, programming, and everything else. And so I I went ahead, you know, charging along doing that. And uh, it hit me pretty hard freshman year, uh, first semester. I did not realize how to study properly. Um, and things weren't, weren't going very well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of, was, you know, I really had to kind of look myself in the mirror and say, all right, you know, maybe this guy was onto something here, <laughs> here. Um, you know, and uh, I, I really need to learn how to study and learn what my, my limits are. And so from that moment on, I, you know, the next semester freshman year in the spring, I said, all right, I'm going to take, you know, 12 hours. I'm going to cut it down. I'm going to, retake some classes I didn't do so well and I'm going to figure out how to study. My goal this semester is to how to figure out how to study first, but and not just survive. I'm going to do well. I'm going to do it right. And so that semester was very successful. I made all A's, but um, the, uh, so the main takeaway I got from that sem- semester, it always stuck with me. And I always tell everybody I know going in, especially in engineering is um, that first semester is going to be a lot different than what you think it's going to be. Um, I know you're probably a smart guy or girl and, you know, just um, I recommend taking 12 hours, (laughs) take it easy, learn what it's like. And then if you think you got it from there, go forward. But it's always better to start slow and then and then crank it up than it is to get yourself in too deep. (laughs) That's some great advice. Justin. I think it's a path that I think a lot of people have gone down. I mean, you know, if you think about it. You know, when you get to college, it's your first time maybe being away from home if you're not going to a a local college. So no one there to wake you up every morning to tell you to go to class. Mm -hmm. Professors don't care if you come to class because you're paying a tuition. Right. But also learning to study when you don't have your parents telling you, hey, there's no TV tonight till you do homework is a whole new world. So like you said, you had to learn how to study, but it isn't even that. Like I found the same trap. I was like, okay, I go to school Monday through Friday, like eight to two, right? Usually in high school. And now you're telling me I only have to take 12 hours of class? Come on. But those 12 hours, if you think about it, you're probably for every hour you're in class, you're probably studying two hours or maybe three hours. Right. But it's not just about how many classes you take. It's the mixture of the courses that you, you register for. Yes. You know, there's some things that you shouldn't do. Yes. You should not take three lab classes along with anything else in the same semester. So right. I think you've given some very valuable advice to anybody that's, you know, entering college that, you know, it is easier, like you said, to pick up speed because let's say you took those 18 hours and let's say you ended up with just below, well, we'll, go, we'll give you a 2.0. Mm-hmm. 
for that semester, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So that next semester, you realize, okay, I'm going to manage my course load, maybe have a better strategy when it comes to picking courses. But now, instead of working from a 4.0 and trying to maintain it, you're now starting from a 2.0 and trying to increase it. So you're, you're doing more harm than good, I think, because now you're not only having to maybe retake some classes, but you're trying to have to erase what you are, you know, you, what you did to yourself in the first semester. So yes. um, very good advice. I appreciate you sharing the story. Um, I know we didn't get through everything today, Justin, so I'd love to have you back. Sure. Um, I yeah. think today was a, a great topic. And again, it's not just for engineers. I think anybody that's a student of, you know, education or just someone that's entering in the workforce can learn a lot that, you know, building relationships is really important. Um, you know, sometimes things aren't as easy as you may have thought they were going to be like going, you know, going from a, a high school where you're in the top 10% of your graduating class. And then you're going into a, a big university where you're amongst many big fish yeah. um, and humbleization or being humble is important. And I think you had a great story about that, right? You went in with a, with a very super high confidence level and, and you were humbled, but you didn't let that stop you. Right. I mean, you achieved it. I'm talking to an engineer today. So, I mean, you did something right. So you kept on fighting through. So Justin, I appreciate you coming out for everybody that tuned in today, you know, have a great rest of the week, Justin, thank you again for coming out and love to see you back here for another episode. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Justin.